I say, Percy, we better walk out. We shouldn't have to go to class in the in the rain. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Alfstrom. A Southern lawyer from South Carolina who became a hero of the Alamo, a small North Texas town with roots going back to the mid-1800s that became the birthplace of some of the most famous and infamous Texans, a prime example of Depression-era work Projects Authority, and Civilian Conservation Corps Construction. They all have one thing in common, the name Bonham. But first, what's a place along the road in Texas that you've always thought looked interesting, but you never actually want to visit for fear it will spoil all mystery and just let you down in the end? Um, There's probably a bunch of places that I could come up with. Uh, that fit that description, but uh, the one I went with is the Monolithic Dome Institute, uh, the uh, yeah. the big concrete caterpillar <laughs> along the, the the freeway Italy. along I thirty five. Yep, um, yeah. I've passed that so many times. Um, I I don't even want to search the internet uh, to find out what's really going on there. I'm sure it's boring, but uh, it always reminded me. Always looked to me like it was the perfect. Uh, you know, um, above ground manifestation of some Cold War bunker or something. <laughs> I I actually have read that years ago. I read their website and read up what the heck was going on with that stuff. It, it's it's interesting. Don't it's more, spoil it for me. I won't spoil, don't spoil it. it. But right next door, there is like a mono. There's this monolithic concrete dome that used to be like a a diner gas stop that was like made to look like a. A um, starship enterprise, a ghetto starship enterprise, a ghetto enterprise. Yeah, it was enough. It was like kind of like when you hear a song in the mall, or you hear a song in a movie, and you're like, it sounds alike. It sounds <laughs> like Led Zeppelin, but it isn't Led Zeppelin. It's just sort of a yeah. kind of a cheap knockoff. Well, the one in uh, in San Antonio, there's a the Texas Biomedical Institute, and I can remember driving past this thing as a kid, and it. And it looked like these big, officially like sciency looking buildings, and they had like these big monkey cages outside. I don't know if any of that's still there, the monkey cage part. But they, but then uh, I was like, hmm, you know, it seems like it'd be. Well, I wonder what's going on in there. It seems like some heavy science is happening. And then I went, and I looked it up, and you know, it's, it's like a level four pathogen research institute. So it's definitely not a place <laughs> you want. Like. <laughs> You know, those like those outbreak movies and those other, that's what's happening right there in San Antonio, like about 15 feet off the freeway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you spoiled it for yourself. I spoiled Thanks, it for internet. myself. Thank you. Thanks, Internet. Well, mine would be, uh, we talked about this uh, in our ghost episodes uh, several years ago. Uh, the town of Thurber, uh, which is a ghost town, small town, but it's actually, it used to be a company town. Uh, for uh, uh, brick manufacturing in the nineteen in the eighteen hundreds, and uh, it's Thurber, the town of Thurber. Uh, it's off of I twenty west of Fort Worth, and there's a ghost town. Uh, that sign says a ghost town down the road, uh, down a down a dirt road off of the highway. And uh, I've always wanted to go there, but I don't want to go there because I know that it will never live up to anything that I've thought of as being something that I'd want to actually, that something that I want to see. I, I, I picture this, you know, these ramshackle shacks and, and uh, tumbleweeds, and it's probably not going to be any of those things. 
You don't want to see a ghost. <laughs> I play your piano perpetually playing in, a, in an abandoned saloon. That's what I want to see, uh, but I know I won't, so I just won't spoil it. We'll never go to the. I'll never go to that ghost town and off a of Thurber. So never yeah. say never, never say never. I might actually go south of San Antonio at some point in the very near future. So that's the other. <laughs> We're gonna get you there. South of San Antonio is to me a big mystery. I think I think we just need to just unveil, like unveil unveil the mystery and, and take you on a lovely road trip. Very soon. That that'll probably happen this summer since my brother is moving south of San Antonio. We're gonna do it. We're gonna get you down there. <laughs> Many heroic volunteers made their way to Texas during the revolution, ultimately giving their lives for a cause they believed in. One of those volunteers was James Butler Bonham. He was born in the Red Banks region of South Carolina, now Saluda County, on February 20th, 1807. We don't know a lot about his childhood, but he entered South Carolina College in 1823. In his senior year, we see perhaps the first historical evidence of Bonham's penchant for bucking authority, standing up for those he saw as victims, and paying the ultimate price for his dedication to a cause. In 1827, he led a student protest concerning the poor quality of food in their boarding house and an attendance requirement that mandated students must attend class during inclement weather. Must attend class during inclement weather. The result? Bonham and his entire senior class were expelled. I say, Percy, we better walk out. We shouldn't have to go to class in the in the rain and the sun and the in the snow and the sleet, the hail. <laughs> Uh, well, well, that didn't slow uh, Jim Bonham down, because by 1830, he was practicing law in Pendleton, South Carolina. I guess you don't have to go to school to practice law in the 1800s. Um, there's there's a, a year or two there. He could have uh, <laughs> could have gotten did, his degree past the bar. Did you see a law book, Mr. Bonham? Yes, I did. Well, then, here's your, here's your oh, license man. to practice law. Yeah. Well, everyone was a lawyer or a newspaperman back in those days. So. Or both. <laughs> and a doctor. <laughs> All right. Well, at any rate, well, what's followed soon after was a sequence of events that one might mistake for an episode of Jim Bowie, attorney at law. Bonham took it upon himself to cane an individual who made the mistake of insulting one of his female clients. When a judge insisted that Bonham apologize to the man he had beaten, the young lawyer instead threatened to tweak the judge's nose. I'm going to tweak your nose, sir. Now, this landed him, naturally, a 90-day sentence for contempt of court. In 1832, Bonham found himself in the midst of the nullification crisis as one of South Carolina Governor James Hamilton's aides, a position which earned him the rank of lieutenant colonel in the militia. At the same time, Bonham was captain of an artillery company in Charleston. The nullification crisis was one of many events leading up to the Civil War. In this case, South Carolina had decided that a set of federal tariffs was unconstitutional and declared them null and void within the borders of their state. We're not going to go into a lot of detail on that. You can look it up. But suffice to say, there was a military buildup on both sides that nearly ended with the shooting war. Bonham was known to have carried around his sword and pistol condemning President Andrew Jackson and the policies of the politicians in Washington. Southern to his core. For sure. By 1834, Bonham had moved to Montgomery, Alabama, near some of his relatives, and was once again practicing law. 
1835, things had started to heat up in Texas, and Bonham had led a rally of support in Mobile, Alabama, which soon resulted in the mustering of a company of volunteers to the Texans' cause called the Mobile Grays. They set out for the frontier in October of 1835 and arrived in Texas by November. Bonham didn't waste any time getting involved, immediately striking up correspondence with Sam Houston and offering his services while declining all pay, benefits, and rations. On December 20, 1835, James Bonham received his commission as a second lieutenant in the Texas Cavalry, but he wasn't actually assigned to any unit. Not one to sit idle, he had time to begin practicing law in Brazoria, publishing a newspaper advertisement to that effect in January of 1836. Bonham and Houston evidently struck up quite a friendship, and they saw eye to eye on many things, such as acting impulsively. On January 11, 1836, Houston recommended to James W. Robinson, who was, at the time, the provisional governor, maybe, who knows, because of the conflicting status of the Texas government at the time, he recommended that Bonham be promoted to major, stating, quote, his influence in the army is great, more so than some who, quote, would be generals. The drums of war likely brought Bonham to the Alamo in San Antonio, along with Jim Bowie, on January 19, 1836. On January 26th, Bonham was appointed one of a committee of seven charged with drafting of a preamble and resolutions on behalf of the soldiers at the Alamo in support of then-Governor, at this point, Governor Henry Smith, who was mired in impeachment proceedings. When the delegates were selected to represent the garrison at the Constitutional Convention, Bonham was not among them. On February 16th, Bonham was among the messengers that Colonel William Travis sent to ask for help. He returned March 3rd, sneaking through the enemy lines to bring a letter from Robert Williamson, three-legged Willie, that ensured Travis help was on the way if he could just hold out a little while longer. When the bullets and cannons finally let loose at the Alamo, Bonham was among the many heroes and martyrs to the Texas cause that lost their lives there. It's believed that he died stationed at one of the cannons that was on the Alamo Chapel. James Bonham's participation in the Texas Revolution is perhaps one of the most romanticized stories to come out of the Alamo. He's frequently portrayed as a colonel and commander in the Bear Garrison, but he was only a colonel in the Southern tradition due to his time in the militia in South Carolina. Evidence also shows he was a cousin to Colonel Travis, but nonetheless Bonham was only a second lieutenant in the Texas Army and had no standing in the chain of command. In fact, he was only present at the Alamo sporadically in the build-up to the final showdown, and many have mistakenly remembered Bonham as the messenger which brought Fannin's news from Goliad that he would not be coming to the aid of the fighters in the Alamo. That's a interesting fact that you, humble listener, can tell your history teacher. Well, although sometimes blown out of proportion, Bonham's contributions were, in fact, tangible and real. His name and his legacy live on, like many of the other heroes of the Texas Revolution, in counties, towns, and schools across the state of Texas. The most prominent is the town named Bonham, which started its life in 1837, just a year after Alamo, as Fort English. That's English with an I in the front of the word. This was a two-story blockhouse fortification that was built by a man named Bailey English. English came from Kentucky in 1836 to settle about 1,200 acres on the northern edge of the Blackland Prairie region in what's today Fannin County, which is northeast of Dallas, about 12 miles south of the Red River. He chose the location for its nearness to timber and water on the Bodart Creek. The small fort was a reaction, naturally, 
to increasing Indian raids in the area, but while several families of the years took refuge there, only one actual raid was ever documented. Land donated by English and his brother-in-law, John Simpson, in 1840, who had also settled in the area, became the new settlement with the post office named Boyd Ark. In 1843, this settlement replaced Fort Warren as the county seat of Fannin County. Fannin County originally stretched all the way to the Panhandle in the Oklahoma Territory and was split later into 20 different counties. It was one, a very large county to begin with. On February 26, 1844, Boyd Ark was renamed Bonham in honor of James Bonham's sacrifice at the Alamo. Uh, this was presumably, um, I made this guess myself, that it was had a connection to the erroneous account of Bonham being the one to deliver Fannin's message. Bonham became a crucial link in the resupply of Fort Worth and other nearby forts, as well as serving as a staging point for homesteaders in northeast Texas. It was also a key location during the Civil War, an agricultural center in a sparsely populated region where General Henry McCulloch, Texas Ranger and brother to the legendary Ben McCulloch, kept his headquarters. After the war, there was an influx of settlers from the Upper South that caused a boom in population, commerce, and industry. Bonham was officially incorporated as a town in 1848. This small Texas town continued to grow through the later years of the 1800s and into the new century, serving as a division point on the Texas and Pacific Railroad. The Masonic Female Institute, which was a young lady's seminary, was established in 1855 and eventually became part of the Texas Christian University system in 1916. The News, which is Bonham's first newspaper, was started in 1866. The Steger Opera House was built in 1890, and it hosted performances and touring companies from all over the country. In 1900, the Bonham Cotton Mill opened, and it became the largest west of Mississippi for a time. Other than its namesake, Bonham is perhaps best known these days as the birthplace of Samuel T. Rayburn, who was the Democratic Party leader and speaker of the United States House of Representatives for a record 21 years. Uh, that's probably he'll be worth an episode of all his own one day. Oh, he will be. Bonham is also the birthplace of uh, some other famous people. There was a uh, Native American major league pitcher named Homer Blankenship. There was another major league pitcher named Ted Blankenship, which I thought they might be related, but I could find no connection. They just happened to share a last name. They may have been um, they may be related by marriage or something. Maybe. Something like yeah, that. I couldn't find any. I couldn't find anything on the internet. Yeah. Um, Joe Morgan was from Bonham. I didn't know this until I, I was researching this. Joe Morgan, who is a Hall of Fame second baseman, former Houston Astro, and member of the Big Red Machine from the 1970s Cincinnati Reds. Uh, there's a pioneering jazz guitarist, Charlie Christian, uh, the writer James Taig, who was a key witness to the assassination of JFK. Um, so there's another famous connection. Now, here's another one that I did not realize. John Wesley Harden, the notorious Texan outlaw, uh, was from Bonham originally. Um, so that's a connection to a previous episode. Um, I couldn't find any evidence that uh, Creed Taylor ever passed through Bonham, but uh, I wouldn't put it past him. Well, I would say that, you know, lack of evidence does not mean that it didn't happen. Because that guy's everywhere. 
During the Great Depression, Bonham was the beneficiary of the Work Projects Administration and the Civilian Conservation Corps, receiving a new high school gym, auditorium, and other building projects. And during World War II, Jones Airfield was built for pilot training, and Bonham was also the site of a camp for prisoners of war. Today, Bonham continues to serve as the Fannin County seat. There are many historical exhibits chronicling one of the oldest counties in Texas, and they host one of the region's longest-running trade days, which is yet another first Monday. This comes rain or shine. The city is also near Lake Texoma and the Red River, and it sits between the Lake Bonham Recreational Area to the north and Bonham State Park to the south. In addition to the WPA and CCC work in the town proper, the nearby Bonham State Park was established in the early 1930s. The city donated the land, which is about three miles southeast of the town center, and the Civilian Conservation Corps developed the park. They landscaped the hilly and rocky terrain to control erosion and adapted it to recreational purposes. There was a large earthen dam that was created, and it uh, formed a 65-acre lake that was then stocked with fish and now serves as a habitat for local and migrating bird species. Overseen by architect Joe Lair from Bonham and William Caldwell from San Antonio, CCC Company 894, with enrollees mostly from Oklahoma, erected various buildings and other structures all over the site. The entrance portal, concession building, which is now the park headquarters, the boathouse, the dance terrace, and various footbridges are still standing and remain in use. The water tower, which is in disrepair though, is currently closed to visitors. The buildings are constructed of cream-colored limestone sourced locally and eastern red cedar in a rustic style. Today, Bonham State Park is home to over 11 miles of trail for hiking and mountain biking. In addition to a playground and a, and a group campsite with barracks and a dining hall that will accommodate up to 94 people. The lake has a launching ramp, a boat dock, and a fishing pier, and visitors can swim at their own risk. And, of course, if you're going to take your boat out to the lake, you need to make sure to clean your boat for those zebra mussels. Modern facilities include restrooms with showers, picnic areas, campsites with water, and electric hookups which are suitable for t tent camping or, as I prefer, RVs. The Blackland Prairie terrain where the park is located is no longer pristine, but the combination uh, grasslands and woodlands have been rehabilitated, and they're recovering over time. In addition to the birds, the lake shoreline provides a habitat for all kinds of little critters, such as beavers, raccoons, and opossums. Now, whether you were born with it or gained it in tribute, the name Bonham in Texas carries a proud legacy. The man known for bringing the name to Texas during the Revolution, while romanticized, was nonetheless important to the history of the developing republic. The town that bears his name has birthed both heroes and villains and continues to thrive. Bonham State Park, born from the Great Depression and the Civilian Conservation Corps, hosts visitors year-round looking for a connection to nature and times past. So in Texas, the name Bonham carries a lot of weight. Yeah, so my inspiration for, for researching this and, and putting this together was uh, I was just there at Bonham State Park uh, last weekend, weekend before last, uh, as of our recording, uh, with the, on a camp out with the, the Boy Scout troop. Um, it is a nice little park. It's uh, really small compared to a lot of the state parks, but uh, it's uh, very pleasant. And the uh, the architecture and the construction of those buildings is uh, is pretty neat. 
So Bonham uh, touches on a couple of previous episodes that we've done. Obviously, we did an episode on the last days of the Alamo. And we talked. We did talk about James Bonham uh, at that point, as well as talking about him in the William Barrett Travis episode. But uh, one of the things that we talked about was Bonham, this town in Fannin County. Um, if you remember way back, we did an episode on Texas and the Reconstruction and on the the murder and mayhem book uh, and the wars uh, between former Unionists and former Confederates, the feud in North Texas, the four counties, the four corners counties area. Fannin is one of the counties of the four corners. And Bonham is a location where some of the violence between these factions actually occurred. And the reason... Yeah, and the reason that Henry McCulloch was actually stationed in Bonham during the Civil War uh, was, uh, we talked about this in our Civil War episode, one of our Civil War episodes. If you remember, William Quantrill, who was a famous raider, as well as uh, the, the James brothers, were operating in Texas supposedly to fight Unionists, but actually they ended up uh, turning on and robbing all these uh, farmers and normal people in North Texas and Henry McCulloch actually rousted them out of the, the, the Brambles area, which was in, which was Fannin and, and Hunt counties in, in North Texas. So, uh, that was why he was operating out of Bonham was to chase out William Quantrill and as well as the, the deserters that were, that were populating out there in the, in the woods and in the area. Well, it's crazy because you start, you know, as we've spent the last few years kind of, really taking a lens to all these aspects of Texas history, it is really amazing how many little connections there are. Well, I'm, you know, I went to the state park and I'm going to talk about this town and, Oh, well, that's interesting because this town is named for this guy. And here's all this interesting history on the guy. And also look at all the people who were born here and look at all these other interesting things that happened here. And then there's all this, um, activity that happened right before world war two and during world war two and made this, this is a significant place. And you're like, wow, like there's, Literally, you can walk out your back door, folks, if you're listening in in Texas, and you can probably trip over something historic. So, in in mid eight, what I find amazing is that is that in the middle middle early fall of 1835, tensions in Texas are getting bad, and they set out for the frontier for Texas in October of 1835 uh, from uh, from Mobile. So. News traveled. Uh, the Battle of Gonzales was October fifth, so news traveled r- fairly fast to get to back to Mobile to the United States. They're in Texas in November. He's in the army in December. He's got a law office in January. He's gone. He's been promoted to major. He's gone out to the Alamo, and he's dead by the beginning of March. He was in Texas for five months, basically <laughs> four or five yeah. months, which is remarkable. Lawyering and fighting. Well, there's cool. You know, that's a few people were like that. I mean, that that that's basically the story of uh, of uh, Davy Crockett and his volunteers. Right. Exactly. They, I mean, they were they were, you know, the clock was ticking the minute they crossed the border. Right. So it's just amazing that that the 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 impact that that someone like this would have in such a short time. Also, the guy was thirty one years old, I think. The 29 years old. He was 29 years old. Yeah. He was young. I mean, he, what were we doing at 29? <laughs> oh, I was very busy. We certainly, we certainly had not been a lawyering and had threatened the president of the United States. So, and threatened to tweak a judge's nose. 
Um, go visit Bonham State Park. It's nice. I don't know that I've ever been to Bonham. I don't know that I've ever been to Bonham either. This was this could be on our road trip, guys. It's it's close enough for a for a day trip. I I highly recommend it. Well, it's at least close enough for me to uh, do a Google Maps tour of the day. Well, street view. <laughs> what do the streets look like six and a half years ago? Last time Google drove through Bonham. Okay, yeah, I actually have been to Bonham one time, a long, uh, quite a few years ago. So, been there once. Yeah, I haven't spent much time in town, but uh, I have been to the state park a couple of times. It's, it's pleasant. Well, you know what I say. I say that wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or get yourself to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. I'm Scotticus. You love this show? You love a random road trip? So why not take an audio road trip with your friends? Tell your friends what we're doing, help them to subscribe, and get yourself over to iTunes and leave a review, because that helps us to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support our show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.